Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with this message entitled, Proof of the Father's Love. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 5. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we know that the devil is a liar. He promises all sorts of things, but he will not keep them. He is the first covenant breaker. Lord, deliver us from lying to you. And we pray that you impress upon our mind the love of the Father for us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we, we believe the Bible. The whole Bible. Nothing but the Bible. As the infallible, inerrant word of God. Wherein we learn truth for doctrine and life. Truth, sir, in regard to God, in regard to creation, in regard to the fall, and thank God in regard to our redemption. And without the Bible, without this truth, we drown in the ocean of our own cogitation and contradictions. So we want to speak to you from Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. And the title is Proof of Father's Love. The young man says to the young girl, I love you. Will you marry me? And she says, prove it to me that you love me. How much money you have. He says, I don't have much money, but I will die for you. She says, I don't want to die. (laughs) Promises, promises, lies and more lies. I have heard it in my life, even in this church. Promises, agreement, confession, doesn't mean a thing. But God, our Father, is not just promising. He has proved his love for us beyond disputation. Father has demonstrated his love for us. Look at verse 8. But God demonstrates, present tense, demonstrates his own love for us. In the Greek language, there are four words for love. The English language is very poor in that respect. The first word is storge, which speaks of affection within the family. Parents love for children and vice versa. The second is philia, Speaks of love between friends. The third is eros. Speaks of sexual love. And the fourth. The highest word 
is agape. Very rarely used in classical Greek, but commonly used in New Testament Greek. Especially this word speaks of holy, gracious, sovereign, everlasting, sacrificial love of God to sinful man. As we read in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Galatians 2.20, the son of God loved me and gave himself for me. This agape, this love gives, serves, sacrifices, and dies for another. Remember Jacob. He didn't say, I just love you. He proved his love. He worked seven years for nothing as a shepherd for Laban. Othniel proved his love for Aksa by conquering Debir. I wish we could bring such powerful demonstration of love modern times, not just promises, promises. David proved his love for Michael, King Saul's daughter, by killing 200 Philistines. And God the Father loved us in his eternal plan for our salvation by not sparing his only son. He gave him up to die the death on the cross to secure our salvation. Those who were not righteous, those who were not good, those who were morally helpless, Asten on on ton, who were ungodly, who were sinners, yea, who were enemies of God. Herein we see the proof of God's everlasting, unchanging love. A love that is so big. That it is beyond human comprehension. That God's love for us is better than life here. A love that our death cannot destroy. Therefore saints of God throughout history suffered cruel death of their enemies. Fired up by this love of the Father. My question, friends, do you know this love of God the Father? And we read in verse 5, this love of God is poured out in abundance in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Every true Christian can experience this love of God in our existence and experience. We will know it with our mind and feel it with our emotion. And therefore we will 
choose to do that which this love motivates us to do. It is this love, love of God that will motivate us to love God. Obeying his commands with joy, sir. It is this love that motivates us to share this good news with others with confidence. It is this love of God that causes us to rejoice in tribulations also. So let us consider three proofs of the love of the Father. First is Father's own love. Father himself loves us. This is beyond common grace. Father loves all creation. Father loves even those who hate God. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 45 that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And St. Paul said the same thing. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. God gives to all food and shelter. Young lions do not lack. He feeds the birds. He clothes the lilies of the field. And James, the Lord's brother, says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. But God loves only his elect with the special love that saves sinners from their sins and make them beloved saints. Father gave his only son to die in behalf of them only. So listen to Isaiah. God is saying, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isaiah 53 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Daniel, if from Babylon... Praise this prayer. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear, open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, hear and act for your sake. O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. God tested Abraham's love. We are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in this test, 
of love given to Abraham. God at the last moment spared Isaac from being sacrificed. God is speaking. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you have not withheld from me your son. Your only son. But herein we see the love of the father for us. Wherein he did not spare his eternal son. His only son. His beloved son. Son of his own bosom. He handed him over to wicked men. That he may be crucified. So Paul says he who did not spare his own son. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him. Graciously give us all things. Speaking about our glorification. The love shed abroad in our hearts is the love manifested on the cross. Our experiential love in our hearts is the cross love of history. Ephesians chapter 1, here it is, beginning with verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. With every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace. Which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And Paul says, those whom God foreknew, meaning foreloved, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, we read, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. St. Peter tells us in Acts 2, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. Listen to this. Do not rejoice. Jesus says that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In the book of life. In the land's book of life. Who was slain from the foundation of the world. The height of his love. And the depth of his love. And the length and the width. Of his love is beyond human comprehension. And St. John says this is how God manifested his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. True, God's wrath is being revealed against all the godlessness and the wickedness of men. 
who suppress truth in their wickedness. And there is going to be a day when God will pour out his wrath in his righteous judgment. But that's not all. Not only the wrath of God is being revealed, but wonder of wonders, the love of God is also being revealed. That's what he says in verse 8. But God demonstrates his love. Look at chapter 3 and verse 25 of the book of Romans. God the Father presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. It was God the Father who did it. Father on the cross demonstrates, reveals, unveils, proves, shows clearly to all thinking beings of the universe. His own unique love for us sinners. So saints and sinners survey the wondrous cross and be amazed and impressed by the Father's proof of his love not just promise the cross continually reveals demonstrates here every moment it's a present tense sunistesin demonstrates unveils every moment of every day every day of your life on the cross placarded published the love of the father for you Look up and see. Look up and see the brazen serpent lifted up on a pole. And you shall be healed. Isaiah says, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. And Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert. So the son of man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And Paul says he came to Corinth. He didn't want to know anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. To the Galatians he said I have placarded to you. Jesus Christ has crucified. And that's the business of every preacher. To declare to all fathers love for sinners. That he would sacrifice his own son. Salvation is not a joint venture. We have 50% interest and God has 50% interest. Or let us say we have 1% interest and God has 99% interest. No sir. Salvation is all by grace from first to last. Salvation is of the father. Hell deserved. People are given heaven. Death deserved, people are given eternal life. Because salvation is of all of grace, it is totally secure. If the Father loves us because we love Him, He only will love us as long as we love Him. There is no security in such arrangements. No, our salvation depends not on our loveliness. 
or holiness, but on the constancy of the love of the Father. And God the Father is not promising to love us. He has done it. He has proved it in history on the cross. The greatest love is the Father's own love for his enemies published on the cross. And Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, this is a prayer. Paul's prayer, may the Lord, that is Jesus Christ, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love. Pray that prayer, sir. When we are down and out, and Lord, direct my heart into your eternal, everlasting, sovereign, unchanging, constant love for me. And Paul says in Romans 8, For I am convinced neither death or demons or anything else in all creation is able to separate me from the love of God. Yes, that's number one. Number two, the love of God seen in his son's death. Verse 10 tells us this Christ is his son. Not just a prophet, not an angel. His son, his one and only son, his beloved son. Not a sinner dying for a sinner to spare him temporarily of his physical death. Son dying for sinners to give them eternal life. Sinless God man. Deity became mortal. God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to die. Our eternal death. For our infinite sin. Four times Paul uses the word who pair in verse 6, 7 and 8. Who pair. Christ died who pair as a born. Christ died that is for the interests of the ungodly. Christ died who bear him on in behalf of us for our benefit. Friends, the emphasis is not on Christ's life, teaching, or miracles. It is his death is emphasized. Why this emphasis on his death? Because all have sinned and all must die. Everyone is a sinner in Adam's one sin. Everyone is conceived in sin, born a sinner, practices daily sin. He must die eternal death. He must go to hell. But look who is dying in Romans 5, 6 through 8. Are you dying? Am I dying? Somebody is dying, but not I, not you. Not sinners. But the sinless Son of God, we are spared. Christ died who bare him on, died for us, for our benefit, in our interest. Yea, even I would say in our place, Christ died as our substitute. We sin, Christ died. Let's say that together. We sin, Christ died. 
He did not die as a martyr. He did not die for his sin. He was sinless. He died in our place. He died so we do not die. We crossed from death to life. He who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he said this four times in John 10. I lay down my life for the sheep. Four times. John 10, 17 and 18 for illustration. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. That was the assignment given by the father because father loves me. In the death of Jesus Christ we see the love of the father. Only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from the father sir. Don't forget the father. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And Paul says, more than that, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. God so loved the world, Christ loved the church, and narrowing it down, he loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah, not just promises, promises. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. When Dr. Karl Barth came to this country, he was asked a question. What is the greatest thought ever gone through your mind? I'm not a proponent of his theology. But he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Old Testament sacrificial system pointed to Christ's substitutionary death. That's the meaning of who bear him on. He became incarnate. Why? To taste death for every man. Hebrews 2 and verse 9. Paul says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died who bare for all, and therefore what? All died. There it is, the idea, it is in place of. And he died for who bare all, that those who live should no longer live who bare for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Because compelled and impelled by the love of God and the love of Christ, we henceforth live for him who died for me. Living is easier than dying, sir. Love of the Father is seen in the cross death of his son. There is the proof that God loves me. And we are told Christ died Katakairon at the right time. What does that mean? At the appointed time. It was God's plan that his son take on human flesh in his appointed time and die for the sins of those father foreloved and predestinated in God's appointed time. When all human efforts for self-salvation failed. <laughs> Religions fail, philosophies fail, human wisdom fail, social action fail, everything fail. There is no possibility 
of self-salvation. But at the right time, appointed time, Christ died. So we read in Mark 1 verse 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Paul says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. Christ died for us. He went to hell on the cross in our place for our benefit, for our salvation. So we shall not die. We live with God forever in heaven. For we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ in heavenly places before the creation of the world. Number three, the love of God is revealed because he saves wicked people. Christ did not die for the righteous people. Human beings do not die for one who is legally just, one who is a Pharisee. Like Saul of Tarsus who said that he was perfect as far as the legal righteousness was concerned. Such legally perfect people are not loved. And nobody dies for them. Christ did not die for good people either. Good people move beyond legalism. They are kind to people. They are benefactors. Some people perhaps dare to die for such good people. Of course, their substitutionary death can only avert temporarily the physical death of another, not their eternal penal death. But Christ, but Christ did not die for such nice people either. But what the Holy Spirit is saying here is this, nobody in this world dies for wicked people. It never happens. It never happened in the history of the world until Jesus Christ came. One may die for his family, even friends, but not for wicked people. Citing Bonhaus, Dr. Boyce gives this illustration. Two men were trapped in a mine cave-in. Poisonous gas was escaping. One man had a wife and three children. He also had a gas mask, but his mask had been torn in the underground explosion, and he would have perished apart from the act of the man who was trapped with him. This second man took off his own mask and forced it, forced it on the man who survived saying, you have Mary and the children. They need you. I am alone. And I can go. And God's only son, Jesus Christ our Lord, died for. And in place of, number one, helpless ones. Verse 6. Suffering from total moral inability, he can do nothing to please God. He cannot do good works. He can only do dead works. He is not well. He is not merely sick. He is dead. In trespasses and sins. And is regulated by the devil. 
He's called son of disobedience. No self-salvation possible. He does not understand this. Weak man doesn't understand spiritual things. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. He does not seek God. But we read in chapter 2 of Ephesians verse 4. But because of his great love and rich mercy. God made us alive with Jesus Christ. Not only we were helpless. We were ungodly. Aseborn on torn. He is ungodly. And wrath of God is directed against him. As a fool he says in his heart. Ain't Elohim no God. He is godless. He is lawless. He refuses to worship and serve God. He does what is the opposite of God's will. In this we see the love of the father. He sent his son to die for the ungodly. He poured his wrath not on us but on his own son. Number three. Sinners, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sinners relish in violating God's laws, transgressing them and challenging God's sovereignty. A sinner is actually opposing God's attributes, his wisdom, sovereignty, holiness, power. Human love is based on the attractiveness of the object of love. But God demonstrates his own special heavenly love by loving such terrible sinners like us. Number four, (laughs) enemies, verse 10. We were not righteous, not good, but bad. We were helpless, ungodly sinners. More than that, we were God's own enemies. We declared war against God. God declared war against us. The sinful mind is hostile to God. As God's enemies, we made plans to kill God. The essence of sin is enmity against God. So they crucified Jesus. The father handed his son over to be crucified. The wrath of God due us was poured upon his own son. He did not spare him that he may spare us from eternal damnation. Here is proof of Father's love for us. Think of the cross. Survey the wondrous cross. Study the Bible carefully. Fill your mind with God's word. And you will see that your heart is being filled to overflowing with the love of God. So much so you rejoice in tribulations also. And live to please God. May the love of God, the Father, and His Son motivate us daily to proclaim the gospel, the good news, in the Holy Ghost power. The Roman Christians were like us, helpless, ungodly sinners, enemies of God. Yet because of the love of the Father and the Son applied to them by the Holy Ghost, Paul addresses them in chapter 1, verse 7. Agapetois, kletois, hagiois. Beloved, called effectually, holy people, beloved of the Father, beloved of the Son, beloved of the Holy Ghost. Let's praise him, sir. Let's praise him. And that is what we are too. We were helpless, ungodly, sinners, enemies, no longer so. 
We've been justified, redeemed. We are beloved of God, called effectually. We are saints, holy people of God. We are kings and we are priests, sons of God. This is good news, sir. I believe it. Christ died in my place. Father loved me, loves me, loves me, even when I falter and fall. But he comes and picks me up. He gives me some spanking and he'll straighten me out. But he never stopped loving me. This love of the Father is everlasting and unchanging. Believe it, friends. And live forever in joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And if you are not yet a believer in Christ, confess and say, I'm not a righteous man. I'm not a good man. I am morally corrupt. I'm ungodly. I'm a sinner. I'm a sworn enemy of God. But I understand you love sinners. With an everlasting, unchanging, huge, big love. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, who died in my place on the cross in history. Lord Jesus, save me. Save me now. Save me forever. Because Jesus saves only sinners. You want to qualify for salvation? Don't try to be righteous. Don't try to be good. Come to him as helpless, ungodly sinners, enemies. He receives you. He saves you. Jesus saves publicans and prostitutes. He justifies the ungodly. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to be convinced of the unending, everlasting, unchanging love of the Father proven to us in this passage. And help us, O Lord, to be baptized in it, to experience it. And how do we experience it? Emptying our mind? No, sir. Filling our mind with the truth revealed in the Bible and then you will feel in your heart the love of God and you will praise him and you will live for him and you will rejoice even in tribulations. Hallelujah. Save people, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this message entitled Proof of the Father's Love. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.